So 2020, right? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a joke in and of itself, isn't it? And no matter what your plans were coming into this year, my guess is, is 2020 slapped you across the face and said, I don't think so, right? Maybe you've seen some of these memes. I, I love these about uh, your plans for 2020 versus reality. Look at this guy uh, doing this golf shot, this trick shot. Look at that. It's so impressive, but it's not over yet. Watch this. And boom. Isn't that beautiful? Now here's reality, right? Here's most of us. Boom, smash right back in the head, right? Here's the next one. This guy's brave. He's got a professional golfer in front of him hitting a shot over his head. This guy's just an idiot though. There's a difference between being brave and being an idiot, right? Uh, next, we got this little kid. Oh, he's so cute. He's going to hit the baseball, isn't he? Right? Think again. No, he's not. Boom. Strike one, strike two. All right, here we go. Let's do it again. Shaking his head. Oh man. Now, oh, there's strike three. Now look down, look down. Yeah, get right up in there, right up in there. Boom, there's 2020 right there in the face, right? And then you got Kevin, right? From the office, you can't have a 2020 meme without Kevin with his big pot of chili and getting it all over the floor. You know, I believe every generation is supposed to live as if Jesus is returning in their lifetime. But, but if you hadn't been looking out your window, like Jesus, is that you? Like you come in, is it today? Like if you hadn't been doing that, you might've been living underneath a rock. But here's what I would invite you to consider this morning, that maybe 2020 is exactly what we needed. And you might be wondering or thinking, Clayton, how could you possibly say that? Well, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that God is in control, that he knows all things. He sees all things. He knows everything that's going to happen start to finish. I believe in the sovereignty of God, which means this, that God either allows something to happen or causes something to happen, but nothing happens in this life outside of the sovereignty or the power, the control of God. So everything in this life, in this universe has happened because God has caused it or because God allowed it for one reason or another. I believe in the sovereignty of God. And so when it comes to Corona, quarantine, the trial that you face, even the racial tension that we are experiencing here in our country today, I believe 2020 is exposing some things in our lives, our family, our finances. And when it comes to freedom for all, or maybe not for all, God is exposing some things. James one, the brother of Jesus, James said this in James chapter one, that trials will expose the authenticity of our faith. And I believe that same thing could be said of our family it exposes the authenticity of our finances and it's exposing what's happening right now in our country. Some things are being exposed for what they really are. Now, sometimes those same trials don't expose it. They, they can actually cause it. They can cause the, the fall to happen. So they can cause your faith to fall. They could cause your family to fall. They could cause your finances to fall. Sometimes the trials, the, the suffering, uh, the things that we've seen happen in 2020 can actually like push us over that cliff. They can cause us to fall, sometimes through no fault of our own. Your family could have been in a great position. Your financial position could have been great before COVID happened. And, and now on the backside of this, it has pushed, it has caused a fall to happen. And so what do you do 
when your faith, when your family, when your finances fall, when they're falling, when they're suffering. Well, I've got a word for you in this series from God's word. And this is the overarching theme and the verse that we're going to be looking at and talking about over the next month for the next four weeks. And we'll end on July 5th. But for the next month, here's the verse that I want you to commit to memory. And I want you to say it here with me here in just a second. This is Micah chapter seven, verses eight and nine. And it says this, though I have fallen, I will rise. Now I want you to say these three words with me here in just a second. Okay. When I, when I give you the cue, okay, because we got a practice of again, of leaning in and engaging in what we're talking about today. You've been watching messages and worshiping from your couch and your robe and your lazy boy leaning back all comfortable. Okay. Now you're in a wooden pew. Okay. So let's get uncomfortable. You're going to lean forward. Uh, hopefully you've got a couple of cups of coffee in you and we're going to participate. We're going to engage together. All right. So we're going to say these three words together. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Let's try it one more time. Help us memorize this. Micah seven, verse eight, though I have fallen, I will rise. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. Though we have fallen, though our faith has fallen, maybe your family has fallen, your finances have fallen, we will rise. So say to the person on your left or on your right, say, rise up, rise up. Let's go, rise up, rise up. That's what we're gonna do in this series. We're going to rise up together. So today we'll talk about what do you do when your faith falls? What do you do when your faith falls? Because oftentimes our faith rises and falls based on what's going on in our lives, right? I mean, I think if we're honest, all of us would say, if things are going well, man, I'm full of faith. I'm believing God. If things are not going well in our life, we're going to, we might be saying, man, I'm struggling. I'm not sure God, are you there? Do you see what's going on? Do you still love me? And that happens based on the circumstances of our life. And so what do you do when your faith falls? About a month ago, our new puppy, Mabel, who's big now, she's a sheep-a-doodle, so she's a herding dog. And so when she jumps on you, she doesn't just jump up like this, like vertically, kind of with her paws barely touching you. When she jumps, she jumps and pushes you like that to get you to go where she wants you to go. Now she can jump pretty high. And so when she jumps about as high as my shoulder and pushes, she can kind of move me, but because of my size, she doesn't knock me over. She knocked my son over on the couch the other day. Nixon was running across the front of our living room and Mabel ran up behind her. And while she was running away from her, Mabel jumped and pushed her and sent Nixon flying across the living room. And we've got a wood floor. So she just flew across the floor and I died laughing. Now I don't believe in karma but I do believe the Bible says you reap what you sow. And it wasn't a few weeks later, I was stepping down out of my trampoline and uh, onto the steps. And I know you're thinking at your age, you shouldn't be on a trampoline. Listen, I agree. I agree, I shouldn't be. And uh, I was stepping down out of the trampoline onto this ladder, going down the ladder. I didn't watch what I was doing, didn't watch where I was stepping. I slipped, fell, hit my shin on the step and face planted in the grass. And the Tatums were there. Mark Tatum was on the back porch watching and just died laughing at me falling down out of my trampoline. I still have a bruise on my shin. I thought I might've fractured it. Everything's okay though, in case you're worried, it's fine. But I do have a pretty good bruise, but I fell because my focus was off. I wasn't focused on the right thing. I should have been focused on that next step that was in front of me, 
that I should have been taking, but I wasn't focused on the right thing. And so I fell. And I would invite you to consider that maybe the reason your faith has fallen during this time is because you've been focused on the wrong thing. Your faith, the focus of your faith has been on the wrong thing. And that happens to us all the time. It happens to me too. Our faith rises and falls based upon the circumstances of our lives. And so some people might say or think, and maybe you've thought this before, how could a good and all powerful God allow bad things to happen in this life? You see, we, when we, when we're saying that we're, we're, we're saying that the focus of our faith is our circumstances or what's going on in my world or in our world, rather than where the focus of our faith should be. So here's the challenge for you today. It's the big idea. It's this, before we even get started, you've got to change the focus of your faith. And if you're following along in our app, these are the words that you fill in the blank here right now. The verses and the points are all there for you. The City Church Lubbock, you can open it up and follow along. It's a great way to participate and stay engaged in what we're talking about today. You fill in these words in all caps in those blinks and then you get a, a little green line right below it. And it makes you feel all good and special. Even though you're not in school, you can still get a right answer today, okay? If you get a wrong answer though, you put faith right here and focus right here. It's going to give you a red line. So you got the wrong answer. Okay. You got to, you got to get the right answer. All right. So cheat on your cheat with your neighbor and get the right answer. Okay. But you got to change the focus of your faith. We've got to change the focus of our faith. And so I would invite you today, if you have turned away from God, if your faith has fallen, I would invite you to come back because the reason maybe that you turned away from God or that your faith fell was a bad reason. It was something that happened to you. And that's not, that's not the, the focus of our faith. Our faith, the Christian faith is not based on the circumstances of our lives. It's based on something else. So let's go to the book of Micah. If you got your Bible, you can turn there. It's a minor prophet towards the end of the Old Testament, Micah chapter seven. And we're gonna look at this passage kind of a little bit deeper, a little bit fuller. Here's what's going on though. Micah is a prophet, one of the minor prophets, and he prophesied or preached in the eighth century BC. He prophesied in the, in the kingdom of Judah, we are in a divided kingdom at this point. Israel has been a one uh, solid, cohesive kingdom under David, Saul, David, Solomon, but now Solomon's uh, son has taken over. He's not very wise, uh, not very spiritual, and the kingdom is divided. There's civil war. And so you've got Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and uh, you've got kings in Israel, you've got kings in Judah. So if you read like First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, you'll, you'll see some of these different kings, kings in Israel, kings in Judah. Micah is prophesying in the southern kingdom of Judah to the kings of Judah. And Micah is prophesying that judgment is coming. Like a lot of the other prophets would prophesy. Judgment is coming because of the sin of our country, the nation of Israel. Judgment is coming for our sin. And there will be armies who will come and wipe us out and will take us into captivity. God's judgment is coming, the prophets would say. And Micah would say the same thing. Well, Assyria comes and wipes out the nation of Israel in the north, nearly wipes out Judah too. But Judah is spared. They barely survive. They barely hold on. And so Micah's prophesying in this dark time in Judah's history and saying, listen, if we don't turn from our sin, someone else is going to come. The judgment of God is coming and will wipe us out. And sure enough, about a hundred years later, a little more than a hundred years, Babylon comes and wipes out Judah and takes them into captivity. So at this moment, Micah is prophesying to the nation of Israel and to specifically to Judah, 
but to the Hebrew people as a whole saying, listen, we, we, we barely survived the onslaught from the Assyrians. And if we don't turn from our sin, then we're going to be wiped out. The judgment of God is coming. And so Micah in Matthew, in Micah chapter seven, rather is looking forward to a Messiah who will come and rescue them once and for all from their sin and will free them from the coming captivity that is surely to come from the Babylonians. And so Micah's prophesying here in Micah chapter seven. So let's go chapter seven, verse eight and nine. You can follow along with us in the app. And here's what Micah says. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, though we have fallen, though the nation of Judah and Israel as a whole, though we have fallen, I will rise. We will rise. Though I sit in darkness. And some of you've been there over the last couple of months. Though I sit in darkness, maybe you're there today because of your faith is gone. Your, your family's struggling. Your finances are, have been wiped out because of Corona. Though I sit in darkness, Micah says, the Lord will be my light. I'm in darkness, but the Lord's going to be my light. The circumstances right now, the trial that I'm going through right now, the suffering that I'm going through right now, I'm in darkness. I'm struggling, but the Lord is going to be my light because I have sinned against him. I will bear the Lord's wrath. The Lord is disciplining us for our sin. And Micah would look forward to a day when the Messiah would come and die in their place for their sin. Once and for all time, the book of Hebrews says. The Messiah did come and die in our place for our sin, take, taking the Lord's wrath for our sin, the fine for our sin, taking the Lord's wrath, his righteous anger against our sin, taking it upon himself through his death on the cross, once and for all paying the fine for our sin. But that hasn't happened yet. And so the nation of Israel is being judged for their sin. Micah is saying, we have sinned against him. We are bearing the Lord's wrath until one day he's going to plead our case, uphold my cause. He will bring me out. You see, Micah's looking forward to this day when the Messiah will come and bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. I'll see it. One day the Messiah is coming. Micah's looking forward. One day, the Lord is going to come and he's going to bring us out of darkness into light. He's going to save us from our sin and we will see his righteousness. We will be in a right standing with God one day through this Messiah. So Micah is looking forward to this Messiah who's going to come and rescue them from their sin and surely also from their captivity. And this is the life of the people of God. Micah was looking forward. We're looking back. Micah was looking forward to the day the Messiah would come and die in our place for our sin, would conquer sin and death. We Christians, we look back on that day. And so here's what I would submit to you today. The life of the people of God, the life for the nation of Israel, life as a Christian is all about looking back and looking forward. It's all about, that's the focus of our faith. This is what I want to challenge you with the focus of our faith has got to change from our circumstances, from the trial, from the suffering, from the thing that tripped us up, from the thing that caused us to stumble. We've got to get the focus of our faith off that and onto looking back and looking forward. And this is the life 
And it always has been the life of the Christian. But it was the, the way the nation of Israel would follow worship and serve God as well. By looking back and looking forward. So number one, first of all, when your faith falls, look back. When your faith falls, we look back. And Micah does this too in Micah chapter seven. If you keep reading in the book of Micah, Micah says this in verse 15, you're going to rescue us just like you rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. With a powerful hand and outstretched arm, you, you rescued us miraculously from slavery to the Egyptians. You did that. And I remember that we know that we look back on that. And so God, I know you're going to do it again because that's who you are. You are rescuer. You are redeemer. When we look back, God, we see that you rescue us. That's what you do. You are rescuer. And so I believe you're going to do it. Again, in Joshua chapter four, when the nation of Israel has crossed the Jordan River and they are now on the other side in the promised land, God says this to Joshua and to the priests. He tells them, when you get on the other side of the Jordan, now you're gonna set up these stones, these stones of remembrance. In verse six, Joshua chapter four, God says, they will be a sign to you. When you see these stones that are standing up, these will be a sign to you. What, what, what's the sign about God? What, what is this sign supposed to be? What, what are these standing stones of remembrance supposed to, to tell us? And God says this, this will be your way of remembering that the Lord brought us out of slavery through the desert and over the Jordan. And there, there's so much there. If you've read the Old Testament, you, you, you know this. These stones were to serve as a remembrance that God brought them out of slavery to the Egyptians, through the desert where they wandered for, for years and years and over the Jordan. So watch this. God tells Joshua, he tells the nation of Israel, these stones are gonna be a sign of remembrance. They're gonna be a sign to you that I brought you out of it. I brought you through it and I brought you over it. And anytime you're wondering, anytime things get tough, anytime things are getting hard, you're going to remember, you're gonna look at these stones and you will remember, I brought you out of it, I brought you through it, and I brought you over it, referring to the Jordan River. And Christian, when you look back on your life, my guess is, is you could say the same things about your life. God has brought you out of it. He's brought you through it. He's brought you over it. And I want to tell you this morning, he's going to do it again. He's going to bring you out of it. He's going to bring you through it. He's going to bring you over it in this life or the next. You see, as Christians, we believe that ultimately God has brought us out of sin. He's going to bring us through this life and he's going to bring us over this life, over to the next life where we will reign with him forever with new bodies on a new earth and a new city forever. He's going to bring us out of it. He already has. He's going to bring us through it and he's going to bring us over it. We, we look back on the finished work of Jesus when he died on the cross and, and rose again and said, it is finished. And get this, not like a victim, 
Not like it's over, not like I'm done. When Jesus said it is finished, the tone, when you look at the original language, the tone and the attitude there is not of a victim saying it's finished, I'm done. The tone and the attitude of it is finished is of a victor saying it's done, it's finished, I've accomplished it. And so even in the death of Jesus, we look back and we don't see a victim, we see a victor even in death. Romans 5 says that those of us who follow Jesus, we now live in triumph over sin and death in the same way that Jesus triumphed over sin and death. And Romans 5 verse 3 says, so even in our sufferings, even in suffering, we can have joy. How? Because one way or another, in this life or the next, God has, brought it, God has brought us out of it. He's going to take us through it. He's going to bring us over it. And so we live in triumph over sin and death. We live in triumph over the trials and the sufferings in this life. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 that death has been swallowed up in victory. How? Through death. That's the gospel. Jesus dies and conquers sin and death through his resurrection. And so it's through the death and resurrection of Jesus that death itself is conquered. And that's the mystery and the glory and the beauty of the gospel. Is that even in death, the death of the son of God, death itself is finished. It's conquered. And that's the message of the gospel that God brings dead things back to life. You and I, the Bible says, we were dead in our sin and we were headed to hell. Jesus didn't come to make good people, better people, or good people, or bad people, good people. Jesus came and died and rose again to bring dead people back to life. That's the gospel. The gospel is that God brings beauty out of the ashes. As the new song says, God turns graves into Gardens, that's the gospel. And so we look back, and when we look back, we remember that death was conquered through death and through the resurrection of Jesus. We look back and we remember. It's through the death and the resurrection of Jesus that God's going to bring us out of it, through it, and over it. And so I would invite you this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus, the way you're going to conquer sin and death itself one day is only through Jesus. Give your life to Jesus today that you might be forgiven of your sin, that Jesus' death on the cross, his payment of your fine, taking the wrath of God upon himself for your sin would be credited to you. And as Micah wrote in Micah chapter seven, so that you might be righteous, so that you might be right with God. That's what that word means in right standing with God. You can't do that on your own. The gospel doesn't say do better and try harder. No, it says, look back at what Jesus has done for you. The finished work of the cross and give your life to Jesus that you might be forgiven of your sin and made right with God forever. You're dead in your sin, the Bible says. And the point of the gospel The reason Jesus had to die was to save you from death itself, from eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Give your life to Jesus today. And it would be true for you, like Jesus said, even though you die, you will live. You will live forever. I'm the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. 
I rose and by your faith in me, you will rise too. So when your faith falls, we look back on the finished work of Christ. But secondly, when your faith falls, you look forward. When your faith falls, we look forward. Micah looked back at how God had rescued them from the hands of the Egyptians. And he was looking forward to a Messiah who had come and rescue them from sin. In the darkness, Micah was looking forward to a day where he would be in the light. You know, every time, every time things got tough for the nation of Israel, they always wanted to go back to what was familiar. In Exodus chapter 14, they're on the, the edge of the Red Sea. The Egyptians, Pharaoh, they've changed their mind. They're coming after him. They're bearing down their armies coming. And here's what the nation of Israel begins to say to Moses. Why'd you lead us out here? Why did you even rescue us in the first place? Did you just lead us out here to die? What were you thinking, Moses? What was God thinking? How could God lead us out here to the edge of this sea just to kill us? Is that what God is doing? It would have been better. Here's what they began to say in Exodus 14. It would have been better for you just to have left us there. It would be better for us to go back. Go back to slavery? Yes, it would be better for us to go back to slavery than to just die here. You see, when you fall, it always produces fear. When you're in a trial, when you're suffering, when you're struggling, it, it always produces fear. That, 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 that's natural. But here's the problem with fear. Watch this. Fear always longs for, looks for what's familiar. Fear always wants what was familiar. And so you're probably as tired of it as I am, but all this talk about the new normal, you're like, is this the new normal? What's the new normal gonna look like? I, I don't know if I want a new normal. I'd rather go back to the way things were. That's the way a lot of us respond to what we've been through in 2020. I'd rather go back because fear always produces a longing, a looking for what's familiar. In Joshua chapter one, when God tells Joshua, hey, you're going to be the new leader of this people. You're going to cross the Jordan. You're going to go into this new land. So new land, new leader, new season. And Joshua, rightfully so, the nation of Israel all they've ever known is Moses leading them. And all they've ever known is a wandering in the desert. And so again, anytime things get tough, well, it'd, it'd be better if we went back. It'd be better if we, why can't we have Moses? Well, Moses is dead. And God actually says that in Joshua chapter one to Joshua, Joshua, Moses is dead. He's dead, like dead, dead. We're not going back. We're not going back to what's Familiar. No, you're going to lead these people, new leader, into a new land in a new season. And I've always been with you, Joshua. I've always been with you, God says. I'm going to be with you and I will never leave you or forsake you. So be strong and courageous. Joshua 1, God actually says this. Now then, Moses is dead. Now then. Get ready. Now then, get ready. You see, faith looks forward. Fear looks for what's familiar, but faith enables us to look forward. Now then, get ready. I'm going to be with you. Get ready. Look 
forward. Faith looks forward, not for what's familiar. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter says at least three times, go, go read it, 2 Peter chapter 3, at least three times in one chapter, look forward. Look forward, Peter says, to the return of Jesus. Look forward, Peter says, to the reign of Jesus after he returns. Look forward, Peter says, to a new heaven, a new earth, new bodies, new city where we will live with Jesus forever. The Christian is supposed to look forward to the return of Jesus, the reign of Jesus, and these new bodies, new city that's going to come down out of heaven on a new earth where we will reign with Jesus forever. And the Christian's supposed to look forward to that. And that's how we're to live this life, looking forward to the return and reign of Jesus one day. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about what faith is, that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. And then it, it lists off this hall of fame of people from, you know, the old Testament of all these people who lived by faith and walked by faith and, and did all these incredible, you know, heroic things that we read about. And it talks about Joseph and Noah and Abraham and, and people like David. I mean, all these people of faith, how, how, how did they endure the, the persecution and the hardship? How, how did they step out in faith and do all these incredible things that God did in them and, and through them? How, how did they do that? Well, Hebrews 11 makes it very clear that they live by faith because they were looking forward to a heavenly country. They were looking forward. It says in Hebrews 11, go read it. They were looking forward to a heavenly city whose architect and founder is God himself. They were looking forward. That's how they lived by faith. They were looking forward. They weren't looking at or getting wrapped up in what was happening right then and there. They weren't stumbling on the thing that was tripping them up over and over and over again. The persecution, the suffering, the trial, the hardship. They were looking forward. So my challenge for you today is to change the focus of your faith. Change the focus of your faith. You see, we're often focused on the fall, like what we tripped over, the trial itself, the loss that we've experienced. And when that happens, here's what we typically do. We look down, right? I mean, that's kind of the universal sign that I'm struggling or that things aren't well. You're reading the Psalms about David and he says, why, why, my, why is my face so downcast, right? That, that's the, the sign of struggling. That's the sign, that's the physical sign on our faces that we're struggling, that we're in trouble, that we're in a trial, that we're suffering, that we've experienced loss. Our face is downcast. And rightfully so. When Jesus shows up in John chapter 11 with Mary and Martha and Lazarus has died, and they're crying and they're upset. Jesus doesn't come and say, well, what are you crying about? Get over it. Hey, stop, stop looking so down. No, Jesus comes and mourns with them and cries with them. The Bible says Jesus wept. He was sad. He was upset. His face was down. But it didn't stay that way. 
You see, here's what happens when we look down. Looking down is like a downward spiral. And the longer you look down, the harder it is to get out of that downward spiral. So how do you get out? How do you get out of the downward spiral? How do you stop looking down? Well, I would invite you to consider the way you get out of the downward spiral is by looking back and by looking forward. Looking back and looking forward. We look back on the death and resurrection of Jesus who died in our place for our sin, conquering sin and death. We look forward to the return and the reign of Jesus. And here's what I would invite you to think about and consider is that what Micah foresaw in Micah chapter seven ended up actually happening. Like Micah foresaw along with many other prophets, a day when the Messiah would come And if you read Isaiah 53, would die in our place 700 years before the time of Jesus, wrote that there would be a Messiah, a lamb who would come and die in our place for our sin, but would not see, uh, whose life though would see the light of day again, who would rise again. What the prophets foresaw actually would end up happening. And so I would invite you to consider this, that biblical prophecy always becomes history. Biblical prophecy, like what we look forward to, what the Bible says is going to happen, always becomes history. It was true for Micah and the rest of the prophets who prophesied a Messiah would come and and die in our place for our sin, when that would happen, how it would happen, and that he would rise again. All all these prophecies that we see in the Old Testament, they, they all happened. They all actually happened. Biblical prophecy became history. And so now watch this. Your story doesn't change and never changes his story, history. Your story doesn't change his story. What do I mean by that? I mean, your fall doesn't negate his rise. Your fall doesn't negate his rise and it doesn't mean that he's not returning one day. So the focus of our faith should not be our story. It should be his story, what he has done and what he is coming to do one day when he returns. The focus of our faith is the event of the resurrection that did happen. It actually happened. And no matter what I go through in this life changes that fact, that truth that Jesus rose from the grave. That's what I look back on. Nothing that happens to me in this life is going to change the fact, the prophecy that Jesus is going to return one day. And one day that too will be history. And so nothing that happens to me in this life, no matter what I fall, no matter how I fall or what I fall over or trip over or stumble over or how I suffer, it does not change his story. And so I would challenge you to change the focus of your faith from the daily ups and downs and circumstances of your life being the foundation of your faith to looking back and to looking forward into his story, history, being the foundation of your 
faith. You see, some people turn away from God, run from God. They don't put their faith in Jesus to begin with from the first place because they would say, how could a good and all powerful God allow the things to happen that I've experienced in this life? How how could that happen? Well, God has promised that one day when Jesus returns, he is going to put an end to all evil and suffering and wickedness. And that death and sin and evil, suffering, all these things are going to be gone forever. God has promised that. And you might say, okay, well, that's great. Why didn't you just do it? Well, the Bible actually says the reason why God is waiting, the reason why God is delaying the return of his son to put an end to all evil and suffering forever, the reason that God is waiting is because he desires none to perish, but all to come to repentance. He wants you and me and everyone we know to know his son, Jesus, to be forgiven of their sin and to be made right with him. And that's the the only reason he's waiting. Cause I, I, I bet if I were to ask you, you would say today, man, I'm glad Jesus didn't come back before I gave my life to him. And the reason God is waiting, the old word is tarrying. The reason God is being patient in his return to put an end to suffering and evil and wickedness forever. is so that as many, as, as many people as possible would not perish, but would come to repentance, would put their faith in his son, Jesus. So I would invite you this morning that if you have not given your life to Jesus because of that reason, or if you've turned away from Jesus because of that reason, it was a bad reason. It wasn't a good reason. And I would invite you to put your faith in Jesus today, to give your life to Jesus today, to come back to Jesus today. Because the foundation of our faith and praise God for it, the foundation of Christianity is not our story. It's not what happens to us in this life. It's his story. It's the event of the resurrection. And it's the prophecy that one day Jesus is going to return. And that's what we look forward to. We look back on the resurrection. We look forward to his return and reign. The apostle Paul was once a church persecutor, but he saw the risen Jesus And it changed his life forever. In fact, he was on his way to put more Christians in prison. And he sees Jesus. He gives his life to Jesus. He becomes a preacher of the gospel. And Paul, we learn, would be beaten for his faith in Jesus, arrested over and over again for his faith in Jesus, shipwrecked multiple times. He would go hungry and thirsty. He would be bit by a snake. He'd be abandoned, homeless, cursed, yet he would continue to follow and serve and worship Jesus. And so those of us are saying, well, I'm following Jesus. Then that means I just want to live my best life now. I just want to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. I think Paul would look at you and probably say, What are you thinking? We're not guaranteed that. We're not promised that in this life. Jesus said you're going to go through many trials in this life. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look look at what his life was like. And he did not waver in his faith, his trust in Jesus. How, Paul? Well, watch what he says. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. 
Some of you could probably identify with some of this. You've been pressed on every side. You're perplexed. You feel like you've been knocked down. Paul said, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be also seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger, Paul said. Constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but, but this has actually resulted in eternal life for you. That's the result of all of this struggle, all of this hardship. It's resulting in eternal life for me and, and for you. But we continue to preach. Paul, after everything you've been through, why? How could you continue to love and serve and follow God? How? We continue to preach in spite of all of this. Because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know, do you hear that confidence that Paul has? In spite of everything that he's been through, all the suffering, all the trials, all the hardship, the constant danger of death itself. And Paul says, that does not mean I waver. Paul says, I know, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, there it is, we know that God raised Jesus from the dead. And so watch, he will also raise us. We look back, we know it happened and we look forward. He's gonna raise us up too and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. We never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So watch this. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. We're not looking at the troubles. We're not looking down at what we've fallen over, what we've tripped over, what we stumbled over, how, we, how we've suffered. We're not looking down. No, no, no. We don't look at the troubles we can see. Rather, we change the focus of our faith. We fix our gaze on something different. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We're looking back, we're looking forward. We're fixing our gaze on the resurrection of Jesus and the return of Jesus. And so I would say to you, like God said to Joshua and the nation of Israel in Joshua chapter one, I think God's saying to you today, now then, get ready. Get ready ready. When you read the book of Joshua chapter one, God says, now then get ready, get your stuff. You're going over the, to the other side of the Jordan. You're going to go into the promised land. I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. It's almost as if God is saying in Joshua chapter one, rise up, rise up. And here's what the Israelites say in Joshua chapter one. When God tells them to go, now then get ready, go. Here's what the Israelites say. We will go. We're going. We're gonna step into this new land, this new season with a new leader. 
We're not sure what to think about it. It's uncomfortable. It's not familiar, but we're going to look forward and we're going to step into this new season that God has for us. Listen, oftentimes much of the healing that will take place in your heart and in your life will happen in the new season. So you've got to step into that season in spite of the hurt. And as you step into that new season in faith, as you look forward, as you look back, God will bring the healing. And so I would challenge you this morning, man, come back, come back to the Lord. Join us here each week as we study God's word together, get in a group where we're reading God's word together and growing in Christ together, jump on our app, start get back in the daily devotional, start reading God's word and letting it change and transform you from the inside out. You see, as followers of Jesus, we're all morning people. And you might be thinking, Clayton, I'm not a morning person. I'm a night owl. No, 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 no. As a Christian, you are a morning person. I know some of you are like looking to the person next to you. Like, I'm not so sure about you, but if you're a Christian, you are a morning person. And here's the morning person motto. Here's the morning person motto. I will rise in the words of Micah. I will rise because the sun rose. I may sit in darkness right now. I may have fallen. My faith may have fallen, but I am going to rise. My family may have fallen. My finances may have fallen, but I am going to rise because the sun rose. Would you stand up with me? Our team's gonna lead us in worship. And as they do, I wanna invite you to make this your prayer. Just stand up, close your eyes and just say, God, wake me up. God, wake me up. The trial either caused or exposed my faith and it's fallen, but wake up my faith. Let faith faith rise up inside of me this morning. God, let our faith rise above our frustration, our fear, the sickness, the anxiety, the depression. God, let faith rise up inside of us. And I wanna tell you this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a victor. You have victory in Jesus this morning. And so God, our prayer as we worship this morning is that faith would rise up inside of us. And though I have fallen, I will rise.